I said to myself, this is do or die. Like, I'm damned if I do and I'm damned if I don't, right? So. This week on the podcast, Hawk sits down and interviews his friend Sean. They chat about the mindset and the transformation Sean has done over the years. Sean used to have poor lifestyle habits, poor health habits, and he's totally flipped his life around and focused on being the healthiest, best version of himself possible. We hope you guys enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to another podcast here. I'm here with my buddy, Sean. Uh, He's overcome a lot. Um, He's going to talk about his fitness journey and all his ups and downs and a few things that I feel like everybody can learn from. So I'll let Sean take it away. Go ahead, Sean. All right. Thanks, Huck. Thank you, Huck. Um, Before I get too deep into uh, the journey, I'll just give you a little background of my life um, that'll explain a lot of things. So, you know, as a child, I came from a divorced um, family and um, my parents were from a generation where they, you know, their, their parents fed them healthy, nutritious foods, but they came from a generation that was full of uh, fast food. You know, the fast food generation was just starting, um, the convenience of all those things. And um, they themselves struggled with weight. And um, after my parents divorced, my dad struggled a lot with it. Um, probably, you know, a little bit of depression, um, all the typical things you hear. Um, my mom up and down all the time as well. Um, and both sides of the family, um, you can see some of those issues um, genetically. Um, it's kind of weird though, on my dad's side, his dad was a toothpick, a skinny guy, yeah. um, not not muscular in any way. Um, so my dad's traits, I think, came from his mom's side. Who, she was short, stocky, and chubby. Um, my mom, um, her family is all Ukrainian, and all the women tend to be larger as they get older, um, from what I see. And so um, they didn't know any better, um, you know, in terms of how to prepare healthy food or nutrition. And uh, being in a divorced family, uh, my mom was like a single mom, and as a teenager. I was always hungry. Um, yeah. I started gaining a little bit of weight when I was about 10 years old. When puberty started, which it was kind of odd because um, I was actually a very fit looking kid up until 10. Um, so something definitely changed during puberty. Um, and then, you know, I need to be fed. Mom fed me plates and plates of spaghetti and all the heavy carbohydrate type stuff that was okay. quick and easy to make. Um, so I, I remember gosh, being in high school, 14, 15 years old, I could polish off three, four plates of spaghetti, like no problem, right? Large pizza, no problem, right? Um, So, I mean, those things didn't really affect me too much then. I would say, you know, in high school, um, you know, by my grade 13 year, I was probably 180-ish pounds, Mm -hmm. and I optimally should have been probably about 160. So I always felt in my mind, I was like 20 pounds overweight, even through high school, even, Mm -hmm. and I played football. I wasn't the most active kid, but I did like football. So I played football, um, rode my bike, that kind of stuff, but um, not very athletic and didn't have very much uh, influence um, family wise. I didn't know any athletes in the family or um, I didn't have parents who were athletic or into fitness or anything like that. Right. I tried lifting weights a little bit on my own, but didn't really, I guess I didn't really have the, 
desire to do it back then. Um, it was yeah. more peer pressure to do it. That guy's testosterone is going in high school, right? So we got to yeah. lift weights, whatever. A little bit of competition, a little bit of ego, right? Yeah. Young exactly. man. Everybody wanted to arm wrestle you, that kind of stuff, right? But um, then I got to university and I kind of went up and down a little bit. And some of that was, um, again, my dad's lifestyle was poor. And I went, I went to university and I lived with him. Um, he lived in the city where I wanted to go to school so his habits kind of brushed off on me and I started gaining weight even then and once again didn't really exercise um, throughout my school years um, it's almost as I, if you didn't know better right really? I didn't really know the importance of it um, yeah. I just felt like I was hungry and I would eat yeah. whatever I mean we I had, can relate don't worry I can relate so. <laughs> when we were in uh, University, they had special deals for students. Like you can get Whoppers for a dollar fifty at Burger King. I'd eat like two Whoppers like three times a week. You know, like just silly stuff like that. Um, no thought about what I was putting in my body whatsoever. Oh, yeah. Didn't even think about it. As long as I wasn't hungry, that's all that mattered, right? Yeah. Um, so you know, when I got out of university, I started working, and um, I did lose some weight. I saw myself, I was like, wow, I got to do something about this. And probably I was close to 200 pounds at that point. And I'm five foot nine. So really, you know, 180 is okay, but I still feel like my optimal is like 160 to 170. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I did something crazy. And this is kind of funny because uh, you'll see later that um, how it comes full circle. But I said, to heck with this, I'm just going to eat once a day. Right, because I didn't know anything about nutrition. I was just like, I'm just gonna cut down what I eat. I'm gonna eat once a day, and I'm gonna go work out after work. The place I was employed at had a gym down in the basement with wonderful equipment. Nobody ever used it. Yeah. <laughs> they leased it. <laughs> it's like a tax write-off or something. And uh, so I used it, and I lost a lot of weight doing that, just eating once a day. And it, I didn't track what I ate or how much I ate. I think it was just the mere fact it was once a day. It was calorie reduced. Mm -hmm. over what I was eating normally. And um, I was exercising, which I wasn't used to, right? So obviously, I was burning more than, than normal. So that kind of worked. But um, as soon as I uh, met my first wife, um, I started gaining weight because the exercise stopped. I didn't think of it. Yeah, as hard, right? I didn't have the mindset that I had to do this, right? Um, and started eating, you know, three, four meals a day, right? Like I always used to, but again, no thought around what those foods were. And I started gaining the weight again. Um, and you know, by the time, um, like my first wife and I, we got divorced. Um, I guess it would be about three years after we got married. So it was pretty short. And I was probably back up to about 200 ish pounds at that point. Um, a lot of it, I think also was part of the stress of the marriage wasn't working, but, um, I thought, okay, after this, I'm going to do something about it, right? So that was the first time I really, like, thought about, you know, I got to make some major changes here, right? Um, I had a young daughter, and I went out, I bought a Bowflex machine, yeah. top of the line, right? Good intentions. Took me, like, two weeks to put it together. <laughs> it's a million pieces. And I was highly motivated. I started it, and, like, again, just like everything else I've done before, like that, with fitness, three, four weeks later, stops. Yeah, Get busy with something else so that thing sat there for the longest time didn't get used very much um 
So fast forward a little bit, um, I kept gaining weight. Uh, I was working really hard at my career. Um, and it was one of those careers that's very demanding, a lot of travel. So eat out all the time, it's paid for. So <laughs> just eat whatever you can get, right? Yeah. Didn't think about, again, what the quality of it was. Um, everybody else was enjoying the unhealthy things too, right? So why can't I? Um, so after about, I'd say, eight or nine years, I ballooned up to almost 250 pounds. Wow. And I was getting very unhealthy. And my dad at the same time was um, suffering from diabetes complications as well. He was, again, like I said, um, consist constantly gaining weight after his marriage failed and um, never doing anything about it either. And so we kind of had something in common there, but he was way down the path from where I was. Right. Yeah. Um, and I was always, you know, I was stressed between looking after my young daughter, my job, and then running back and forth with his healthcare issues in the hospital and everything. And, um, push came to shove around 2009. Um, his organs were failing and, um, basically they said, you know, he would need a heart transplant, but he wasn't healthy enough to even attempt that. Um, kidneys failing, all those things. And so we had the unfortunate conversation that it was just a matter of time. He was in intensive care. And um, my dad's last wishes were, you know, you got to do something with yourself before it's too late. Um, I was like 250 pounds. Yeah. And he saw history repeating itself right in front of him on his and deathbed, right? Those words hit you hard? Incredibly hard because I knew it. Like I could see it. Yeah. I was just in denial, right? I didn't want to believe it. Um, all, you know, probably the last 10, 12 years prior to that, I thought, I just got 20 pounds to lose. That's it. Yeah. You know, um, in back of my mind, I didn't see what was actually in front of the mirror. It's mm -hmm. like I saw past it. It's kind of weird because usually when people look in the mirror, they see what they don't want to see and they're like, oh my gosh, right? I didn't see that. I saw the old Sean that just needed to lose 20 pounds. Yeah. Right. Oh, I'm getting more muscle or something, right? Whatever yeah. excuse. Right. <laughs> so um, his, his wish was, you know, get yourself healthy before it's too late. Find another wife and have a son because in his life, his most memorable thing was having a son and mm -hmm. time we spent together. Right. So I made that promise and, um, you know, unfortunately, um, I had to watch my dad die. And uh, when I left there, I was struggling with what, what am I going to do? Like, um, my job is so demanding and it's important to me. I put everything into it. Um, I am a highly motivated person. I just maybe don't put those efforts into the right places sometimes. Yes. And I sat back and I looked and I was like, okay. One of the partners at our firm that I looked up to, he's been there a long time and he's making it work. Um, and he gets up every morning and at 5 a.m. he hits the gym. And he told me if he doesn't do it, his wife's going to leave him because yeah. <laughs> she likes a, a good looking man. Right. So um, he said he has to do it. Um, you know, he was different than me. He wasn't a guy who's going to get fat. He was kind of the underweight guy who needed to work out to actually look good because he was too skinny. Um, so he was always pounding back supplements and everything else. Right. But, um, the moral of that was though, he was healthy and could work hard because he was healthy. Yes. And 
my time ran out because I didn't look after myself and I couldn't excel anymore. I was burned out. Question for you. Yeah. Um, So seeing this person at that time when you were a little bit bigger, did you understand what he was doing when he was waking up each morning, doing a routine, have it on point where he didn't make excuses, where he excelled both with his health and with his job? Like at that time, because you were, I would say, I would say even though you had a bunch of yo-yo diets and other things, you were still new to the game, right? Well, for sure. I didn't really understand it. I thought he was nuts. I was like, I can't get up that early. I'm working late at night. Like I, I finish with my clients. I go home, eat, <laughs> and then uh, work on more stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And get my daughter looked after and make sure everything was good. Um, I thought that's just impossible. I don't know what, how he can do it, but I can't do that. Right. And a lot of people thought that way because I remember going to company retreats and he'd come outside from the hotel we were staying at and he'd have his shirt off and go for a jog and everybody's like, look at that show off. Right. Oh like, yeah. That's the typical. A lot of people way. hated him. Yeah. That's they it. were jealous, right? Really yeah. jealous. And nobody had a clue how hard he worked at that. Now I appreciate it after yeah. going through everything that I've gone through. But at the time I was like, yeah, I was like one of those, like what a show off. <laughs> yeah. So, but don't I, you find those people like uh, who say other people are show offs or don't appreciate somebody else's hard work are people who are not working at all. Right. They're not oh, working, sure. working at their own. It's like they have their own insecurities and they just want to bring down somebody. Those people exactly. that always bring you down. You don't want those people around. You get stuck. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I sat back and said, okay, what am I going to do here? Um, do I want to give up this career that I worked so hard for? I was on the track to become partner someday. Um, and I said, you know what? I, I need to take some time off. And I took a little bit of time off after my dad died. And then I went back to work for, I don't know, maybe a month or two. And I went to that same partner that we just talked about. And I said, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I decided I need to make a change in my life. And I don't know what I'm going to do for work. I'm okay financially for a while. So I'm going to figure it out. But I need to look after myself. Yep. Right. And he said, I completely understand. There we go. He was supportive. Yeah. He said, whatever you need, if you ever want to come back, come see me. You know, um, I completely understand what you're going through. And then, of course, another partner in the firm who's a little more senior took me out for lunch, tried to change my mind. And then when I said no, he insulted me, which really pissed Bad me move. off. Bad move. Bad move. He basically said I wouldn't do anything about my health and fitness, that nothing's going to change. So why leave? Now, does that, did that fire you up or did you get sad about it? Like how, how did you go about handling that? It fired me up in the back of my mind. I always say, I can't wait to bump into that guy one day, right? You know, and, um, I started off pretty good, but here was my, here's my problem. So when I left, um, I decided, you know, I'm going to work out and like, I'm one of these guys that will study things and and learn. And so I thought I knew a lot and (laughs) I tried doing things myself and I actually lost some weight. I got around 225 ish or so, 
but I was constantly hurting myself. Like my knees would be sore, my back, everything else, probably doing some of the exercises wrong. Right. And so that motivation kind of started to dwindle and it started to feel like he's right. Yeah. Um, which then I became sad. Right. And, um, my health just got worse. Um, and around 2013, so I left around 29, 2010, around 2013, I still was looking for companionship, but not hard. And I bumped into, um, who's my wife now, Mary Ann. And you knew Mary Ann, um, before I did. Yep. And I really liked her for a lot of reasons, but at the same time I met her, my doctor decided that I was diabetic and I needed to take medicine. And I was scared to death to tell her because I just met her and I was like, that's going to end this really fast because she's not going to want an unhealthy guy. Mm -hmm. um, it's bad enough. I'm already kind of overweight and she, I could tell she didn't like it, but she liked me as a person. She's yeah. like, she's one of those people that looks past those things. And, um, I said, okay, you know what, if it's meant to be, she's going to help me or accept it, um, work with me. I told her. And from that point forward, she said, I know someone who can help you. Yeah. Um, and that was you. So yeah. um, we started that journey. Um, and it wasn't easy. Um, I didn't really know how hard I could work out <laughs> until I met you. Um, Did you go to the doctor's? at all to, to see what else was going on with you? Well, my doctor at the time was also my father's doctor. Mm -hmm. And I thought, gosh, he's the greatest doctor in the world. He looked after my father. Yeah. But I came to a realization and Mary Ann really pointed this out. She said, he's not helping you. I don't know why you can't see that. And I kind of took a step back and I kind of started looking at things. I'm like, yeah, you're kind of right. But in Ontario, um, getting a change in doctors is pretty difficult because most of them are considered full and they won't take new patients. Right. So I was like, how do you just fire a doctor and get another one? Right. Mm -hmm. So I kind of looked around and I was struggling with that. Um, and I didn't want to just change to another one that didn't help me either. Right. So Marianne says, well, look for something else something different. Right. So I thought, oh, maybe, you know, we live close to the States, maybe something in Detroit, I can pay for it. Right. And I was looking and I found well Cleveland clinic, which has offices all over the place in the U S and lo and behold, they had a branch in Toronto, which I didn't know about. And so they had a, a program uh, there called the executive program, which was primarily designed for large corporations to send their executives to, to get health checks every year um, because you know, large companies like that, if they lose their top executives, yeah. they're going to go out of business fast, right? They need their leaders, right? So, um, you know, with all the health issues out there these days, it's pretty important that a lot of these guys, you know, they're in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and maybe not living the best lifestyles, right? So um, I paid for that because they, you don't have to be working for somebody to go there. And uh, they spend the whole day with you and test everything physically, blood work, you name it, um, psychologically. <laughs> um, it was quite the experience. And from, you know, I knew, already knew I was diabetic, but the blood work that came back, the doctor was just, that I was working with was flabbergasted. 
my, my diabetes was out of control, even though I was being treated for it with medication, it wasn't helping me. Um, he said, based on their metrics, they, they do these calculations based on what they've collected. He said that I had a 50% chance of a heart attack before I was 50 years old. See, 50%. That's 50%. 50% is yeah. ridiculous. It is. And then it got worse because I said, well, yeah, my dad died in 2009 from diabetes complications. And um, he said, oh, let me look at his file. I guess it's all connected, right? You started reading his file and he says, this is worse. He said, I, I don't even want to give you the number. But with that history in your family like that, and what I see here, it's much worse. Like you have to do something now, right? So he referred, within the clinic, they have an endocrinologist who actually um, is the doctor who runs the whole program, believe it or not, because I guess diabetes is probably one of the biggest problems that they see coming through there, right? And he um, put me on different medications. He was shocked what was going on himself. Um, he changed the medications and I'm not a big um, supporter of medications, but in some cases or sometimes in your life, maybe you need them, right? So I changed them and immediately I felt a difference. Um, he made the right, he just could tell um, from his experience that I, you know, type of person he was dealing with, what kind of medication might work. And he was pretty proud of himself when I came back the next year because there was a lot of changes and yeah. um, he picked the right one, but you know, I saw him every three months and really what happened was it was just a trigger really. Um, the one medication he gave me, the way it works is it, it basically just lets you urinate your excess sugar out of your body. Mm -hmm. So instead of it floating around, right. And you tend to lose a little bit of weight when that happens. And I lost like 10 pounds pretty quick. And just 10 pounds makes you feel better, yeah. right? So, and we were starting to work out together. And so I was feeling more motivated and healthier. And so I say it was kind of like a catalyst, right? To get me going. So all these pieces to the puzzle contributed to, you know, my story. Um, but largely what happened after that was all the training we did and the focus on diet. Now, I mean, you and I focus primarily on the, the exercising, but we always talked about diet and mm -hmm. Miriam and I tried a million different things um, with some success and some failures. Trial um, and error though, right? Yeah, it, it's been Lots like, a, it's been a journey where I've been building a toolbox yeah. full of things, right? And I've switched them around a few times and uh, gone back to things a few times and, you know, like, when I got married, you were at my wedding and I was about 182 pounds and it's probably in recent years, that's probably one of my best physical um, appearances I was in. And um, after that, you know, I gained a little bit of weight back, probably about, it was about around 190. Um, and I think that was more because I wasn't doing quite as much exercise because we were really pushing it pretty hard for the wedding. And then loosened up a little bit on the food, right? Um, the pressure was off, right? <laughs> so a little bit came back, and but we kept training and kept going and going and going, right? So I think you and I spent about four years together before, four, almost five years together before I moved out here to British Columbia, right? Yeah. And um, so, you know, I when I went back the year after seeing that doctor, 
just one year working with you and watching my food, um, my chance of heart attack was reduced to 2%. From 50%. From 50. Yeah. So I lost somewhere between 40 and 50 pounds. It's hard to say because I did add muscle because we were doing some pretty yeah. good training, right? Yep. Um, and they, they were flabbergasted. The, everybody there just could not believe one year what a difference, all the blood work, physical appearance, everything, my physical abilities, because they, they test, you know, um, you know, things like you know, jumping and you know, various physical they, things, right? They and, also calculate, um, I think you were telling me your health age. Yeah, so that went back, they, the girl said, okay, I don't want to swell your head. <laughs> she yeah. said, um, let me just say it's less than 25. So I was 85 and then the next year I was less than 25. So a year when you first initially went, they calculated to be 85 years old. Like you had right. a body of an 85 year old. Exactly. Um, yeah. Then a year after you started working, doing your thing, putting in work, you put in a lot of work by the way. So people, can yeah. understand that probably the most one of the most I've ever seen yeah like we did um, I did two classes a week with your group sessions mm -hmm. and then you and I did personal training twice a week yeah and then I had programs you built for me that I did the rest of the time I think I only took maybe one day off at most and it was yeah. active right yeah, one so. thing one thing I want to say about you is uh, when I met you when Mary introduced me to you yeah. I think there's something different about you because what I notice with people who have focus in one area of something else doesn't matter. So yours was focused on work and you talked about it. You were passionate about it. I knew if we could transfer that focus onto your health and show you how important your health was, then we could make big changes. So I knew you had it in you and it was for you to unlock. Right. That's right. And one thing that um, crossed my mind when we started, because it was very difficult, like, and I didn't know this at the time, but I talked to you about this the other day. One of the medications they gave me um, actually gives you extra muscle soreness. And yeah. I didn't know. And I was so damn sore. I mean, there was days I just barely could get out of bed and you were showing up at my house to work out at 6 a.m., right? I was like, this has killed me. But I said to myself, this is do or die. Like, I'm damned if I do and I'm damned if I don't, right? So if I'm going to have pain and, you know, risk, you know, they said I had a 50% chance of a heart attack. If I die doing this, trying to get healthy, then so be it. But I'm sick of being this way. Well, your mindset had to be, like, I can only imagine what you were thinking. Because if once you hear, was that another turning point for you when you heard the 50% chance? That was the biggest one because I was like, I haven't fulfilled my dad's promise. And I have a young child still that needs me. I got Mary M and now I got something even more to live for. I was excited. Um, you know, we plan to get married yeah. and I was just like, I can't blow this. Like this is my last chance. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give it everything. And you know, like you said, I've, always put all my focus into my work or my career. So I kind of switched that over and you really unleashed something because now I'm a really competitive person at the gym. I always want to like 
do like these group classes and see what young guy I can, you yeah. know, beat up in the class, right? <laughs> um, you know, like the thing that I'm trying to instill in people is that we have so much potential, you know, to better ourselves. And the more that we put more positive energy into whatever goal we're doing, we can get to that next level. Even what I was telling you the other day was some people think something's impossible until somebody makes it possible or you start breaking down those walls to make it possible. Right. And you've done that for yourself. When I first met you, I bet you, you wouldn't even think that you could make it this far. No, I, I'm surprised every day and even more surprised that I actually love it. So yeah. one of the things that happened during this journey, I mean, you know, the journey has been long, but, the most important part of it started when we met around 2013, 2014, um, is I had a car addiction. I love cars, right? And <laughs> being stressed and um, single and stuff, I spent a lot of money customizing my cars and having my toys. And I've almost lost complete interest in that stuff. I just love going to the gym now. I I go for two hours pretty much every day. Um, and that's all I think about is what I'm going to be doing next to the gym. My calendar is flooded with my gym appointments. Yeah. Right. And I don't want to change that. I just, if I, I wish I could win the lottery and not work and just like go to the gym all the time. That's <laughs> all I want to do. I have no desire to do anything else. I just love how it makes me feel. And I love doing the stuff. And there's so many things I haven't even tried yet that I want to do. Um, this so is I'm what excited, right? it's about though, right? As we get better at what we're doing, things change too. Our friends change also. Like uh, I discuss that with Dan all the time about as you grow with yourself, like the people that you want around are people who do the same thing as you or push you to be better, right? That's right. Yeah, we got to surround ourselves with people we want to be like or want to become right and like one of your ivy league slogans is rival your idols right yeah. and i really took that to heart and that's what i try to do and um you know i idolize a lot of people and it works yes. because you just keep pushing and pushing until gosh one day like i can actually i'm actually that good or or better right so yeah. uh, keeps you going right i do want to back up a little bit though um because there's there was a few examples of turning points, but mm -hmm. some of them obviously weren't strong enough to make the change. Like the biggest one was this Cleveland Clinic thing with the heart attack, and you know that was the near the end of <laughs> it could have been disaster, right? I mean, there's a lot of guys statistically that have heart attacks in their forties now, right? So, yep. um, but you know, one example is. One time I got in, in, a, in a vehicle, I was wearing a brand new pair of shorts. I got in and ripped the crotch out as I was getting into the seat. And that's because big belly, big waist, inseams longer, it just doesn't fit you right. I, I'm like, geez, I just bought these damn shorts, right? You know, like it was, it was an eye opener, like, okay, something's gonna happen here, this is, this is ridiculous, but it still wasn't enough. And then, you know, I did all these traveling trips for work and business. I'd be on airplanes and I'd sit in the seats and I'm like, who makes these stupid airplanes? Like, they're so small. Like, mm -hmm. nobody's this size. Like, can't they make more space in these seats, right? 
And after I lost the weight, I'm like sitting there one day in my seat and I'm going, holy, did they make these things bigger? No, I, I lost all this weight. And like, it's so much room. Like I'm so comfortable. Like what a difference. Right? I could, before I couldn't even bend over to reach my backpack under the seat without struggling. Right. And I, you know, now I can grab it, get my pen out, you know, do whatever I need to do. Just you're able to do so many things. And I guess, you know, some of the healthy people maybe take it for granted, don't realize, but when you're overweight like that and unhealthy, like just simple things like bending over and getting something out of your bag is and difficult. Sometimes, and sometimes you don't know that the grass is greener on the other side or it's hard to start and think that you're going to get somewhere. Like I remember when I, when I met you and when we were starting, you kept complaining about your ankles, your knees, not that you're complaining. You're just telling me, Oh, you know, we can't do this because my knees, you can't do this. Cause yeah. And then, one well, of your biggest things was, oh, I can't do a squat because my knees hurt. I'm like, okay, let me take a look. Your squat, yeah. I can say this now, was horrible, right? Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I couldn't even do a squat, really. Yeah. So, well, the knee thing, that's an interesting story, too, because I could barely walk to, to – we had a community mailbox. I could barely walk to the mailbox without pain. And one of the things Miriam wanted to do when we first met was go walking, right, just for leisure. And I wouldn't get like one block and I'd be bitching and complaining about how painful my knee was. And it was legitimately really painful. I went and saw a specialist at UWO and, you know, they wanted to inject stuff in it. Right. Nobody said you need to lose 50 pounds. Yeah. Right. Well, guess what happened? I lost the weight. The pain's gone. And it's never come back. Yep. That's it, man. <laughs> That's it. And so I just had to like, go through the pain, you know, suck it up. So that's where I, I also learned a little bit of mental toughness during the journey. Um, I thought I was mentally tough and in some ways I was, but in other ways I wasn't. And, um, you know, that little bit of pain with the knee was one of the things, um, just enduring your workouts in the early days. I mean, they were always tough even as, as we ended our um, time together, but um, the beginning was, Gosh. <laughs> brutal. Just brutal. <laughs> On to the next topic here, Tom. Um, sorry, John. Um, I want to talk about a little bit about how you ate before. Yeah. And like say with your with your daughter as a father, right? To now as being a good influence on people. Can you talk about a little bit about your uh Yeah, sure. Day? So I had no real kitchen training from my parents, um, ate out a lot. And then, you know, when I became a single parent, I thought I was cooking at home. So it's healthy, right? I bought stuff in boxes, you know, <laughs> like could be like hamburger helper, you know, um, and, but we're cooking at home. Right. But then still we'd go out and progressively got worse. Um, I'd feel bad. I come home from work take my daughter out and say, okay, let's go to the Chinese buffet. Right. And three, four plates later. Right. Who knows how many calories that was, but I wasn't really exercising. So, and that, you know, how good that food is for you. Right. It's not, not the healthiest, that's for sure. And um, then it became, Oh, I'm at the same buffet two, three times a week. Yeah. 
right? Because I don't feel like cooking. And then on my way home from work, I'm stopping at Wendy's on the highway getting something. I'll just have a snack before dinner, right? Oh, a snack was a whole meal, right? Yeah. Um, in the morning. Oh, I got to stop at Tim Hortons and get my breakfast and coffee, right? Um, it was just all the wrong things mm-hmm. and a lot of it. And part of that too was, and I didn't realize it because I legitimately felt hungry. Like that part was, that feeling was there, but I didn't have a switch that turned off. And that's part of the diabetes. Yeah. Um, you just don't get those signals and you're cons- constantly hungry. So it's just a vicious circle. Is um, chances of uh, having a heart attack and diabetes hereditary in your uh, in your family? Yeah. So I didn't know specifically, like I didn't have evidence of that at the time. I just felt that was the case because both my parents had it um, and there's other people in the family and there's obesity. Um, but I did a 23andMe um, some time ago and they recently updated their system and I got a notification just a few weeks ago saying that your genetics show that um, you're nearly a 50% chance of getting type 2 diabetes. I'm like, too late. Another I already 50%. had it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Another 50%. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't mean you ha- you're going to get it. It just means that if you do the right things, you won't get it. Right? Exactly. And uh, exactly what topic we're on is you've managed to reverse both those things, um, chances of having a heart attack and you're being diabetic through your eating and how you're eating now, right? Right. So this this is interesting because I was on medication about, I guess it'd be like six years. And that was always my goal to get off that. And we talked about this all the time in our training sessions. And I tried all kinds of different styles of diets. Um, but the bottom line was, I don't know that I was all in on those diets. Yeah do them and then we'd fall off and restart and then try a different one. Never really sticking to it for a long period of time, just short little bursts, right? Where we do really well and we'd be proud of ourselves and then go reward ourselves or something, right? So So what are you doing now, Sean? Well, what what I'm doing is, you know, not a lot different, but Everybody knows like a lower carbohydrate diet for diabetics type twos um, helps because you don't have all those big insulin spikes. And the problem is your cells are not responsive to your insulin. So you become insensitive. And so your body keeps making more insulin. And the problem with that is that insulin is the hormone that stores fat. So you keep eating and you're hungry And that insulin just keeps storing it as fat. So it's very difficult to lose weight when you're in that situation. So I'm doing a low-carb, ketogenic style diet. Are you intermittent fasting also? I do that. So I kind of stumbled across both those things around the same time. So um, I tried some fasting before doing ketogenic or Mm low-carb, and it was really tough because – there's a lot of withdrawal symptoms from sugar and carbohydrates just turns to sugar. Sugar is like addictive as like cocaine. It's one of those things. It's 
incredible. And Miriam can tell you, I was a crying baby at night when I was trying to get through that um, withdrawal. And so we tried many, many times doing some intermittent fasting and um, not with a whole lot of success. And then I found this doctor, um, Dr. Fung, in he's in Toronto. He's a, actually a kidney um, specialist, but a lot of people with kidney issues are diabetics. So he got into um, researching how he could help those patients. And he started an intensive dietary um, clinic for people who um, need to fix their diabetes. And he uses fasting as his medicine. So he goes back to the old ways. And um, it's popular, not just with him, and with a lot of doctors now. It's really picking up a lot of steam. And what he suggested was combining it with low carb. Mm -hmm. So I went away and I just did one solid week of low carb and I started feeling really great. And it's not for everybody, right? It's, this is for people who got this problem, right? So it, everything's an experiment. What one works for one doesn't always work for everybody else. Yeah. I started feeling really good. So he suggested I do um, three days of fasting, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, 36 hours. So basically, um, the idea is to keep your insulin low and not spike it so much. So um, when you fast, it stays low and it gives your body time to adjust. And then your cells will become more sensitive to that insulin over time. So he said it could take a very long time or it could be quick. It, it just depends on how bad your situation is. So I tried that. And like everything else, I started off really good. And then um, I started getting kind of tired of it and you know slipping up and then it just wasn't you know really working for me i was like annoyed with all the fasting part of it like yeah let's it get it does get difficult right so we kind of laid off of that for a bit but we tried to stick to the low carbs and my weight just kind of kept floating around 190 like it just 190 195 it just didn't want to budge anymore and so now that we moved here to British Columbia, I had to find somewhere to work out, right? Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have my trainer anymore, which was sad. <laughs> that's that's here another right. topic. <laughs> yeah. So I really struggled trying to find, like, there's lots of gyms here. Like, this place is very health conscious, right? Mm -hmm. But I liked your style, and um, I kind of struggled, and weight started coming on because I wasn't really exercising the first couple months I was here. And finally, uh, a gym that I really love opened up UFC um, has a gym here actually I have three and there's one near my house and I joined that and they right after I started they put out this eight-week challenge so you could sign up for this challenge and it's not about just weight loss it's about your story right yeah. so you know you had to set a goal and I said okay you know what I gotta get off this damn medicine and I gotta get my weight back down to where it was at least right yeah. so what I did was I stayed focused on the keto diet. And in my research, I found out that um, people who have diabetes and diabetes type two, and when they fast for longer periods, like say five days in a row, um, and they do that once a month for about three months, a lot of them will reverse the problem. Mm -hmm. Some people will take longer, but 
you can just do another month, right? So I thought, okay, well, I got eight weeks here. I'm a pretty tough guy now. I'm going to do it three times in eight weeks. Yeah. So I wasn't perfect. I, I did the first one I did four days and I think it was because I, if I recall, um, I didn't start the day I wanted to, something came up and I blew it. So I ended up making it a little bit shorter. I did four days. I was like, okay, well, it's good practice for the next one. Right. And I did it. And all the practice I did in the past has actually made me a better faster. Mm -hmm. I can, a 36 hour fast for me is like nothing anymore. It doesn't even phase me. Right. But the four days was pretty tough and I got into ketosis. I got a um, meter to check my ketones in my blood and Holy smokes. I thought I was in ketosis before because I tried some longer fasts back when I lived in Ontario and I thought, okay, well, if that's what ketosis feels like, it's not as good as they say. And I don't want any part of that. I'm not going to fast anymore. Right. But this time just on the four days because of the diet that I focused on being such low carb and then combine that with the fast, I hit the ketosis and it was like rocket fuel. Truly, I feel like it's like survival mode, right? Because you're kind of starving, right? Mm -hmm. And man, I felt like I could crush anything. I was at the gym twice a day and I was beating all my best, personal best and everything without food for four days. Yeah, It was a total eye opener, but it's not something you can keep doing, right? So I ended that one and I continued again. And so I did, a, the next one I did was six days. Mm -hmm. And then I continued again, and then I did another five days. So in total, I did 15 days in eight weeks of straight fasting, right? Yeah. And actually, I stopped my medications about two weeks into that because between the food and just the fast, I was getting low blood sugar readings and pretty bad headaches and symptoms of low blood sugar, right? And it was well below normal. So I stopped the medicine, um, which was something that... Um, when I saw Dr. Fung, he told me you know, on fasting days, don't take the one medicine I had, but the other one was okay. But long story short, I stopped it and my sugar kind of stabilized. And then, you know, at near, near the end of the eight week challenge, I went back to my doctor for my three month blood test and my results were better than the previous three months with medicine. Right. So mm -hmm. he says, continue what you're doing. You don't need it because I'm got normal blood um, measurements. So, um, that's where I'm at now. And, you know, I don't intend on stopping. I don't know if I'll be keto, you know, real hardcore keto the rest of my life. I might still be a low carb, but I do feel I can eat carbs because I've, I've tested that theory. Now I've eaten carbs and then checked my blood sugar after, you know, two hours and quite a bit of carbs actually. Yeah. And it normalized. So which yeah. means my insulin is actually being accepted. It's not as, insensitive as it was before so i truly believe i fixed it um with those three fasts and you're still working at hard at the gym and... yeah i never stopped like so all those long fasts i did doubles yeah. and you know like i said i was beating you know my personal best on a lot of stuff yeah had tons of energy um again i i mean i was happy to eat afterwards <laughs> you yeah. you'll know, feel like you need to eat but after about the third day your hunger goes away um, your body changes. It's preparing because it knows it doesn't have food, right? So it's probably that, you know, that ancient theory of, you know, you have to go hunt, right? Like you, you need that energy to go find that food, right? So um, I, I really think it's better 
a better solution than medication because I would be on that medication still. And the thing that bothered me was I asked that doctor in Toronto the year after I came back and everything was good. My blood work was awesome. I said, you think I can stop taking the medicine? He's like, well, why would you ask that? And I said, well, it, my, I lost weight, so I should be better. My numbers are fantastic. Like, you guys can't stop talking about it. Um, so if I don't have to take it, then that's better, right? He says, well, some people can get off of it, but some people just need it. And it's you're healthy inside, and that's all I care about. You might have another 10, 20 pounds to lose, but that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You can keep that. That doesn't mean you're not healthy. He says, I can see you're healthy, and I'm not going to change what you're doing. Um, so I said to myself, gosh, how can he say I'm healthy? I'm taking drugs. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. I'd be healthy if I wasn't taking drugs, right? And what so, you ended up doing, right? So Yeah, like I, I refused to believe him yeah. that I had to take it forever. And I mean, there's side effects to all those things. I can't mm. say that they um, didn't bother me in any way. They definitely did. There was things that I didn't like about them, right? So, you know, I proved them wrong, I guess. But I, I can see from his perspective, like you can't just – one year later, maybe make that change because mm-hmm. you might revert back to your old habits. Like most Absolutely. people do. Right. Absolutely. And then, then you're sicker than before. And then he, you know, he's going to get blamed for it. Right. So, um, but even I saw him for another, I think year and uh, year, maybe almost two years and everything was good. And he just refused to take the, take away the medicine, even though everything was perfect. And then he, Informed me, he says, I can't see you anymore because you're too healthy. Yeah. Ha, I'm not healthy because I'm still on medicine, right? So I don't want to be honest. So listening to that, Sean, um, I just want to know, because like I said, when I met you, you were really focused on work. I can right. tell by talking to you right now, and I already know that you're very passionate about your health and fitness and everything. How do you find your balance now with family, being a dad? husband very good at your job very good at fitness and health sure so what happened is i stopped thinking 24 7 about my business and it grew bigger than it's ever been yeah it just everything got better right i have more balance in my life which is what i tried wanted to achieve when i left my job at my former employer and um i got married like my dad asked me to, um, I, you know, I, I was too old to have another son, but I have a son through marriage. So, uh, Miriam had child before as well. Right. So, um, I have a son indirectly and now I'm off the medicine and I'm healthy and I'm doing all kinds of things. I'm active. And you fulfilled your dad's wishes, right? So yeah, exactly. Like that, that has made me the most happy person and I just love life again. And, Mm -hmm. I didn't, before I met Mary Ann and I was kind of depressed, I really had given up. I uh, that's a, another person I want to talk about just real quick here is who you have influenced. And I already know that your wife, Miriam, has been greatly influenced by you and your journey. Can you talk about that just a little bit on her success there? Sure. Well, she herself you know she's a small person but she was a little bit overweight 
And um, ironically, she met you at the YMCA. She worked at the YMCA and uh, she never really worked out, but she told me stories about you trying to get her to go and exercise. And um, I guess she did some class with you and she was like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing that anymore. He's too tough, right? But yeah. um, she felt, oh, he's the perfect guy for Sean because he's going to really put him to work, right? And we're both nuts. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. So, um, after we got started, I told her she needs to do it. So we ended up doing personal training together as partners. Yeah. And um, she made a lot of progress and looked great at the wedding. And she still works out with me today. We go to the gym together. And so our fitness is a couple's thing. And everybody notices that. Everywhere we go, you know, they, they're just amazed at how close we are and how we do everything together at the gym. Mm -hmm. And That's it's so important. It's so important that you get your loved ones on it. Sometimes it's the hardest people to convince, obviously, right? But yeah, she didn't want to do it. <laughs> if you keep doing your thing, eventually people will wonder how you did it or why you're doing it. And they'll start asking questions because they want to make a change too, right? Like I said, just exactly. keep putting positive energy into something and then, you know, you get those positive people around yeah. you, right? Well, now what's happened is people hear my story or they talk to me and they um, ask questions and then I'm indirectly helping them with advice. Um, you know, so many people I realized don't um, maybe spend the same amount of time researching or mm -hmm. uh, trying things and they're struggling uh, and they never heard of some things, right? I, I don't even know how many hours I've spent reading and researching and watching podcasts. you have to you have to constantly learn though right this is yeah. this is a journey right and the journey is about learning about yourself right so exactly doing one thing and, and that's it that can't be it there's levels to these things and every time you reach a new level guess what you have to do more work more research look at what you have to do for that goal right and do it yeah. And um, I recently heard um, a little motivational speech from somebody and I wasn't sure where he got it from, but then I later looked and I found it and I don't really know all the history behind it, but it really helped re-motivate me. And these little things I think that you stumble across for motivation really, really are important because everybody's human and they have their ups and downs and yep. sometimes you're a little less motivated. And this guy talked about burning your boat and I was like burning your boat. Okay. So basically long story short, it just means that you have to be all in to succeed or to get something you want. So I guess in the old days they were trying to capture an Island or something and they arrive on boats and the only way to be successful and capture that Island would be to literally burn their boat. Mm -hmm. So in other words, they could not go back. So you're all in, right yeah so that's the concept so um when i heard that i was like yeah like i'm all in to get off this medicine i'm gonna do everything it takes to get off this medicine i am not stopping till i'm off of it and so that's when i really truly became all in so during that eight weeks when i did those three long fasts that was my mindset was this is it there's no going back i'm all in on this yeah and I, like, I like what you said about um, being motivated and um, 
listening to stories and stuff like that. And I believe in a little bit of self drive. And if you ever have those downs, um, that's when you use say a podcast or stories or like David Goggins likes to say, digging in the cookie jar. Right. So looking at the past where you had a bigger challenge for yourself, knowing that this challenge has nothing on this new challenge that you're about to face. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? Um, so having that self drive, but when you have those downs, look to get this, the, the fuel for the fire, so to speak. Right. right. Keep driving for that goal. You want it, you got to get it. That's it. That's it. I remember times when we were training together, you gave me a routine to do when we weren't um, doing our sessions. And I was so driven back then. It was before the wedding. If we were busy during the day or I had business things going on, it could be 11 o'clock at night and I was not going to miss that workout. And some of those workouts took like an hour and a half, almost two hours. They were long workouts, right? And I'd go down, I had my gym at home and Maryam thought I was nuts. 11, 12 o'clock at night, I send you a picture dripping in sweat. Because I wanted you to know I was doing it. You know what that reminds me of? is Miriam is looking at you like how you looked at your old boss where you don't really understand what they're doing what drives them what why are they doing these things but you know why you know that you have to do this to be better that's it that's right yeah so that kind of fire when you got it going and it's burning it's Mm -hmm. awesome oh yeah it's easy to lose it though 100 percent, and even the best lose it yeah and that's why like your toolbox is so important and one of those things, like you said, is the podcasts or the YouTube videos or even just following someone on Instagram. Like I see reflecting. I, I say this a lot is that you got to reflect on you. You have had a lot of success. So reflecting on where you have come from, from, from your talk with your dad to ripping your pants in your car, reflecting on all those moments to not go back right? To have that feel for the fire is so important. Reflecting on and being happy with yourself is really, out of everything is being happy with yourself, right? And how far you come. Always be hungry to get to the next thing, but be happy for how far you come, right? So. That's right. Yeah. And now I'm, you know, one of these driven people, like I'm always setting new goals. So, Mm um, (laughs) You know, I, now that I got rid of the, the diabetes issue, you know, obviously guys keep doing what I'm doing or it'll come back. It's one of those things. But um, my next goal is because I wanted to reward myself for being successful is I'm going to get my eyes surgery done because I want to take up jujitsu because we yes. did that together and I really wanted to do it, but I kind of struggled with my eyesight. I, I got dizzy and stuff without the glasses on. So I just decided, you know, I don't like surgery. I'm kind of chicken, but I'm just going to do it because I want to do jujitsu more than I am scared of the eye surgery. Right. So um, that's the next. You're doing two things here. Okay. You're getting over a fear to better yourself. Right. And every time you conquer a fear, how much are you going to change in yourself alone with that? Right. Right. Um, Yeah. Before we close this off, Sean, just a few things. Um, so you've gone through a lot of things here and 
I feel like with a 50% chance of having a heart attack and you reversing your diabetes and reversing the heart attack, the chances of having a heart attack and everything, I feel like you've had a second chance at life. I'm just wondering what your mindset is hearing me saying that to you and what your thoughts are on for that. Yeah, it's, it truly is a second chance because like I said, I had all but given up and it's kind of sad because initially my motivation was I have a young daughter and she needs me, but as she got older, I think subconsciously, I felt like she didn't need me as much. So I didn't care as much anymore either about how long I lived. Right. And it's pretty crazy because I remember going to my financial planner, planning my retirement savings. And I told, I told them, I said, just plan it to 60. Usually they plan like 90. Right. And they're like, what? I said, I don't expect to live past 60. And they're like, no, 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 no. You got to do at least 80, 85. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I fully expect I'm not going to be around after 60. So I want to retire early. And, you know, I totally had the mindset that I was not going to live that long. Right. I had given up. So now I'm the opposite. I want to hit 100. And I want to be the 80 year old guy at the gym, pushing the weight, doing all the, you know, we got uh, the same goal. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Like Mary Ann and I want to live really old because we met each other late in life and we have an incredible relationship and we missed out on the early days. So now we're making up for it. And a hundred is even too short in my opinion. Right. So, you know, that, that is really what my mindset now is, is longevity and being able to do things. I don't want to be a hundred and sitting on my couch and can't move. I want to be out there doing stuff and I'm not not certain exactly what all that stuff is yet because I keep discovering new things, but some of it might be jujitsu. Maybe I'll be 80 rolling on the mat. I don't know. Right. But um, yeah, I'm just so excited and moving to British Columbia was part of that because out here, there's a lot of life. Oh yeah. Culture out here is very um, health conscious and active and there's so many outdoor activities to do. Right. So um, we're surrounded by it and we wanted to be part of that and we're absorbing that and you know we're outdoors doing stuff every day like we take the dogs out and we go anywhere from eight to ten kilometers every day with the dogs on the trails and just enjoying the outdoors and that's on top of all the you know gym work right? I'm, so, I'm very happy for you guys and I love how far you've come with both of you guys your your wife also right um, one thing that one big thing I hope people take from this too is looking at you now you wouldn't know that you've had all these stories that you told us there's a lot of other stories that people don't know but for the most part you can't judge a book by its cover by like how much work they've already put in right so we're looking at like a not the final product but the product of your work Right. So they see you working really hard at the gym or you're, mm-hmm. you were saying before, Oh, look at that show off doing this thing. Right. So, yeah, exactly. And so what I found is like nobody, when I came to this gym, nobody knew me mm-hmm. and I'm by far not the best specimen in this gym, but 
I do pretty good because I worked with you for four or five years. And so I've got a lot of experience. Right. And, you know, I noticed you know, some people like in the group sessions, they try to, they kind of avoid me because I go hard every time. Right. And everybody knows it. And, um, I think they prejudge you. Right. They think, Oh, what's he, he's a show off or he, he, what's he doing here? He doesn't have a problem or whatever. Right. And as soon as I shared my story with a few people, total change. Oh yeah. They talk to me more. They're more friendly. They ask lots of questions, you know, so you're right. People only see what they see and they forget that everybody's got a story. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a journey. That's why, you know, I just, I just sit back, try to be nice to everybody because you don't know what somebody is going through that day, that year, you know what I mean? Whatever the case is, if they've had tons of health problems and they're just trying to do better for themselves, for their kids, for their, for their wife, for their whatever, right? It's, yeah. No, it's huge. Um, yeah, I hope, you know, I can help some people along the way because I feel like you helped me. Um, some of the doctors helped me. I may not have agreed with everything that they said, um, but a lesson I learned is that I couldn't do this all myself. That when I started, I felt like, okay, I'm a smart guy. I, I, you know, I can buy this fitness program and do it myself. I can follow this diet and do it myself, you know, and to a certain extent I did okay, but it wasn't enough and it's okay to get help. Yeah. Right. When first, yeah. First... yeah the, the, this is all, all the people that help you or all the people that, you know, you don't think they're going to help you because they're doing bad things. It's all part of your evolution of yourself too. Right. Whatever you can take from them, like the lessons from them, like even if they're doing something bad, I talk about all the time is if somebody's doing something bad, well, you just learn not to do that too. Right. So, that's right. And not one of these things alone could have helped me get to where I am now. It's the combination and the experimentation, right? Um, you know, if I just did what that doctor said, I'd, I'd still probably be, you know, heavier, mm -hmm. wouldn't be in shape, right? You know, um, if I continued to be the cheapskate and refused to have a personal trainer, <laughs> you know, like you because legitimately at first i'm like i'm gonna pay this much money to get someone to scream at me or whatever it is that yeah. they, they do right um and you're not like that obviously but um <laughs> you're still tough though but um <laughs> <laughs> and i think your your type of training though was actually perfect fit for me because there are some trainers that just stand there and yell at you and that yeah. doesn't work for everybody right so um we definitely had a good um combination of personalities like we worked really well together and that's important for people like don't be discouraged if you hire a trainer and it's not a good fit there's other ones right so yeah find um, the one for you just like yeah jujitsu or learning or trial and error on a lot of like different ways to eat nowadays right yeah I, i'm still not convinced ketogenic is something you can do forever but um the other day you gotta can't over consume right oh, yeah. I, mean, I think that's at you take it to the smallest or the lowest level 
you know, you got to burn what you're eating, right? Like if you eat too much, you're going to get fat and then all the problems start. Right. So um, you can simplify it, I guess, but yeah, I, I really think the big lesson here is that help is good and don't be afraid to accept that help and And take that first step. Exactly. First step. Don't be afraid. For Uh sure. Before we uh, close this off, is there anybody that you want to shout out um, or plug away? Well, I, of course, I would shout out yourself and Ivy League Fitness. I mean, seriously, I mean, that changed everything about my exercise um, and my attitude towards it. I don't know if there's anybody else um, that I could have worked with that would have got me yeah. to that place. Um, but uh, I'm like, I'm really proud of you. Like I said, I seen you work hard at your job and everything. I already knew that you're going to be successful with or without me. I know you would find a way. I was truly worried about that. And, you know, it was a slow start when we got out here, but now I actually have two gym memberships, (laughs) two different places, styles. And uh, one of them was the UFC gym. And um, it's, it's a very cool place. And, you know, this is something that it's kind of funny because you and I talked about that place when I was in London and I said, man, I wish we could have one of those things out here. And I even thought about trying to figure out if I could invest in one and get you to help me run it and all that kind of stuff. Right. And I dreamed about it and I'm sitting here going, man, where the hell am I going to work out with a style that I like? Right. And I'm looking at my Facebook one day and they announced they're opening a gym in North Vancouver. I'm like, holy crap what just happened here? Like, I don't know, laws of attraction or what, but it just, showed, it just showed up. Right. And so like I was down there on opening day to sign up and um, I just love that place. I, I can see myself spending more and more time there, especially after I get my eyes fixed. Um, they got so many different things to offer from jujitsu to wrestling, to um, kickboxing. Um, and I do, um, they call it daily ultimate training, but it's basically group training that you, um, taught me how to do and it's very similar and that's why they don't the people there don't like me because I'm so damn competitive and I push <laughs> and I'm like telling the instructor their transitions are too slow <laughs> you get too much time in between here come on yeah. so anyway yeah so um, that's a great place if anybody lives near one of those and um, the other one I that surprised me um, I didn't think I would stick it out there and it's the first place we started going to because the UFC wasn't open quite yet was this uh, place called orange theory and i think you have one there in um uh london yep. which i didn't even know existed and it's i'd say it at least here i'd probably say the majority of members are women but i think that's because the style suits women very well and well here there's a lot of runners and so basically they you go by appointment there you have um treadmills you have rowing machines and then you have floor where you do like calisthenics and a little bit of dumbbell stuff and TRX and they mix it up and they change the workout every day. So it's kind of like group, but you're doing it individually. There's really no direct competition, but you can, if you get to know your buddy next to you, you can kind of have a competition. Right. And so I never really ran that much and man, my legs were killing me when I started with that. And I was always a poor long distance runner. I'm a good sprinter and power, like power runner. Like you, you knew that. Like we did the dead mills all the time, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that, that was good training because they have uh, actually um, uh, a speed where they tell you to go all, all out on the treadmill, right? And so usually 
you know, that means like as fast as you can go. And if you're as fast as the treadmill, then you got to increase the incline and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. I can crush those things because all those dead mills we did, I can, I can max the treadmill out and just yeah. about max the incline out. Right. They think I'm nuts, but what I need to, to work on was my long distance running. And man, has that improved in like so much uh, stuff to learn, eh, Sean? Yeah. Like now I did a, I did what they call a dry try, which is kind of like mimicking a triathlon sort of, but there's yeah. no water. Like, so you do your, you do your rowing and then you do your um, body weight exercises and then you do your run and it's a competition. You can go the fastest, right? But the run is like 5k. I was like, I don't know if I ever really ran 5k straight before, right? Cause we do intervals and stuff like that. And I did it and I did pretty good at it. And I was like, I'm actually becoming a half decent runner, which I never thought in a million years would happen. Right. So um, just another thing to conquer, right? Just another thing to conquer. Right. So yeah, I, um, I can't wait to see what else comes. Right. I yeah. just love yeah. training now and um, helping other people and learning more about health and um, longevity. Yeah. I, um, I actually just got another book. I haven't read it all yet, but Dr. Fung teamed up with another doctor on a longevity book. So actually, if anybody's interested in um, learning about fasting or um, longevity, Dr. Fung has two books or three books. He has one called The Obesity Code, and then there's one on uh, diabetes specifically, and then there's this longevity um, book, and they're all on Amazon, um, and you can find them there. And there's just a wealth of information and all the science and everything behind Great. it. And really good. It, yeah, again, it's not for everybody, but... People like me with type two, it's something seriously to look at because medications are just a band-aid. I think uh, everybody can just learn a little bit, like even if they want to learn something new, if this is a great thing yeah. to learn, trust me. It's For yeah. sure. And if you're a hardcore person and want to get really ripped, it'll that'll work for you too because the same concepts really apply how insulin works and mm -hmm. um, storage of fat and all those kind of things. So you can definitely learn a lot from it. Oh, yeah. So before we let this go, Sean, I just want to say I'm very proud of you and uh, very happy with your success and your journey and your wife getting healthy, too, with you. And that's amazing in itself. Right. So I appreciate your time and thanks for your stories. And hopefully we can get together again, maybe talk about intermittent fasting or something. That's right. And uh, one day you're going to come out here and I'm going to take you up the gross grind. And, yes. Uh, show you what it's like to climb a mountain. <laughs> Alrighty. All right, guys. I really appreciate the podcast. All right. Take care. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning into another episode, guys. We really hope you enjoyed this one. Sean's story was amazing, and I'm glad we were able to share it with you guys. If you like what you heard, hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you guys. If you'd like to get in touch with Sean, you can find him on Instagram, at Kohlberg's. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us at Ivy League Mindset or on our personal pages for Hawk, it's at HawkDation. And for myself, it's at FitDadDan. Until next time, guys. Cheers.